What is going on, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. On today's episode, we have Christopher King here with us. Christopher King was raised by a single mother, dropped out of school in the 10th grade, and went on to build a real estate empire all before age 26. After losing everything in the 2008 financial crash, his never-quit mindset built back his second fortune. He co-founded King of Clubs, an ultra-premium wine with Napa Valley legend Robert Mondavi Jr., which they sold in 2017. He is the founder and creative director of Christopher King, the luxury Italian-made leather goods company, which is appreciated by an international list of clients, including A-list celebrities, actors, musicians, and professional athletes. He also curated an exclusive one-of-a-kind 2008 DBS Superleggera limited to only three in collaboration with famed British automaker Ashton Martin. Long story short, I connected with Christopher King about a year ago, and his story is absolutely phenomenal. He recently came out with a book called King's Way, Remembering the Past, Defining the Future, which is now available on Amazon. So that being said, make sure you take a moment before we start this podcast and order his book on Amazon, screenshot it, tag him on Instagram at Mr. King and tag myself on your story so that we can share it as well. And last but not least, make sure you subscribe to the Rise of the Young podcast, share this episode with a friend and enjoy the episode. What is going on, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. On today's episode, we have Christopher King, the author of King's Way, which he just recently published. Thanks so much for coming to the show, Christopher. For having me, buddy. Of course. So first things first, um, we've been connected for quite some time now, and I absolutely love your story. And I know that you recently came out with your book, King's Way, like I said. And I want to ask you, what inspired you to write this book? Well, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, it's a few things, you know, what inspired me to put the book out now was obviously the current situation. Um, you know, my business, um, you know, Italy kind of shut down for those yeah. that don't know my, you know, my, my business is in Italy. And so we shut down like 30 days before America started shutting down. And so obviously there's business and we're still moving around and still working, but I, I wanted something else to kind of do. And I wanted another project to kind of work on to stay really even more busy during these times. And so the book had been, you know, I wrote the book, you know, years ago and then I kind of shelved it. And, and then uh, my business partner and good friend, Rob Deerdick was like, you know, you got to put this out and, and then kind of shelved it again. And, and so, you know, I literally, it was like a week when we were into the, not even a week into quarantine here in America. And I literally plowed through the whole book, rewrote the last half of it, uh, wrote, the, added the last three chapters in like three weeks. It's like, like 75,000 words in like yeah. three weeks. It was crazy. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. And I, I know inside of the book, you know, you talk a lot about being a gentleman and i know that just your brand and your presence you carry that energy what does being a gentleman mean to you well that's a great question i think for me 
gentleman kind of goes back to like the knight's vow and where it kind of all originated from was the you know the the term gentleman and sir was given to titled knights and you know it really just means to you know do good you know do good and 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 take care of the helpless and take care of people who need to be taken care of and um act accordingly you know having manners you know um, dressing in a respectable way to, you know, kind of, you know, have self-respect for yourself. I mean, it's, you know, it depends on who we're really talking to because it's, you know, that's a great question to catch me because it depends on who we're talking to. That can mean so many different things to so many different people. Yeah. Just of it is kind of what, that's kind of really what it means. Totally. And, um, touching on that, you know, there's a lot of young entrepreneurs that are listening to this show and I'd love to ask you, what advice do you have for my jet, my generation when it comes to being a gentleman? Yeah. And what, you're, you're young again. You're like 20. I'm 19. Yeah. 19. That's right. I was going to say, I thought you were 21. <laughs> 18. That's your young kid, man. So, um, man, that's, here's what I can say. You know, I have been all around the world. I have relationships with, people from diplomats to entrepreneurs of all different walks of life around the globe. And you always, you know, they kind of say you never get a, you know, you you always kind of never get a second chance at a first impression. And I really just believe that how you present yourself, you know, if you have this incredible, insane work ethic and you're always on time for all your, you know, or, or let's say you're not on time. Let's say you're just killing it in business, but every single meeting you attend to with anyone, you're always late. To me, that's just not a respectable thing. It's not, and it's, it's, it's disrespectful to other people's time. And so, and I understand that people are busy. So when you kind of translate that into dressing, to me, when you're meeting with someone for the first time in a business setting, I think it's important to, to, to dress properly. And, and it's also been dressing properly and being you know, knowledgeable in certain areas of life that has allowed me to open up the door in, in, in business conversations you know, with complete strangers. You know, it's, it's, so everyone's always trying to network with somebody, right? Or everyone's trying to connect with somebody. And I think, unfortunately, the way the world works is we do kind of, you know, judge someone by their by the first impression we have of them, you know, and, and that's, that, you know, obviously not always the case. And there's, um, you know, I could share a, a story with you. There was a, a time I met a, a really wealthy businessman from China and uh, he was out of Hong Kong and we were in Vegas and I didn't know who this guy was, but he was sitting across the craps table. I was on the other side. And we were both wearing a Laura Piana sweater and we had on the same MBNF watch. And so instantly there was this connection and this kind of mutual respect for knowing what that, what that was and what it meant. Uh, and we became friends and have been friends ever since, you know? So I, I just think it's really important for the younger generation not to get into the mindset of like t-shirts and sweatpants are okay because they are okay at home. They're okay you know, being comfortable with certain things, but it should not be your everyday attire. And it definitely shouldn't be your attire when you're meeting with people for business is, is my opinion. Is yep. my opinion. Where did that um, philosophy come from in your life? It's another great question. Um, you know, I obviously didn't grow up that way. And I mean, I, you know, you know, now that I'm kind of telling this book and, and sharing stories, yeah. even the, the picture on my Instagram the other day with me and 50 cent, <laughs> You know, I didn't always obviously dress like that, but what 
what I, what I knew is that where I was coming from and where I wanted to go, you had to do certain things to get there. And attire and how you dress was one of them. And I think I was obviously inspired by a lot of movies like The Goodfellas and just the, you know, the, the, the classy guy doing business who wore a suit. I mean, that's probably where it started. And then it just kind of became who, who I was. And, it, and I can tell you right now, like factually, it's opened up incredible doors along my journey that I probably would have not had had opened if I was, if I was, you know, not dressed properly. Yep. I love that. I know you talk a lot about relationships, you know, and that simple gesture of having the same watch or wearing the same sweater. Can you talk to me about how relationships have changed your life and business? Because I think a lot of young entrepreneurs that are listening, you know, they hear your network is your network and they hear the importance of networking. But I know that, you know, the times that we've had conversations, the stories you've told me, it's really impacted me. And I, I'd love for you to expand on what relationships mean to you and how they've changed your life and business. Yeah, another great question. You know, obviously, you know, the, the, the saying network is your net worth. There's a lot of, there's a lot of truth to that. You know, um, I think it also, it's who you hang around is who you kind of become. I really believe in that, you know, and I think I was able to change, um, the direction of my life by, by changing some of the circles that I was running in, but you know, relationships, there's kind of two ways to answer that one, you know, being there for someone and following through for someone, especially in today's world when, you know, it costs nothing for, you know, uh, uh, a comment or a like or sharing a story or sharing a book or, you know, jumping on a podcast with somebody. I think that we need to, you know, value our relationships more and show up for people more. I think that's a big thing that, you know, I know a lot of my friends would say about me that I'm always showing up for people because I know how important it is where I want people to show up for me. I also think that, you know, and something I do, it's funny, I had a a food critic and someone on, um, on the food network, a a top chef read my book before it came out. Yep. One of the things she said to me was she loved how I continually gave credit to all the people throughout my life that did something or impacted me. And I think we don't do that enough in society where nobody gets to the, you know, nobody gets to the top by themselves, right? When it's you know self-made to me is is a person who is able to pick themselves up under any circumstances or adversities and and power themselves through the doubts and the fears and the discipline to get there. But you don't do that by yourself. But it starts within yourself. And so I think that we don't give enough credit to the people who help us get there. You know, like like this book wouldn't have been possible if Rob didn't light a fire you know under my tail to get back out there and really start writing again. And you know, I think we don't give enough credit to our relationships that help us, um, that also encourage other people to shine light on, you know, like I'm sure there's a person who helped you get to where you are in business, right? That one person who is, was a mentor or someone gave you an idea or that friend has just been there hearing your stories, you know, that to me is, I think, uh, a lost art form that I, that I think I'd like to see come back. Love that. Um, when it comes to you and Rob, um, how far back does that relationship go and how'd you guys meet? Yeah. So I don't want to spoil too much of it because it's in the book. Yeah, totally. Part of the last chapters. Um, Rob and I met, um, I'll tell you the, the quick story how we met. We actually uh, passed each other in a resort in Turks and Caicos. I don't even know, two, 2014 maybe, 2014, 14 or 15. 
And, um, and then coincidentally, right, we ended up meeting back in LA like several months later. And I don't want to spoil the book because I dive into the details and it's a really cool story how kind of things happen. And I think it also reminds people to kind of pay attention to the signs or pay attention to, to how the world is kind of moving around you. You know, that, that, that saying, you know, things don't happen to you, they happen for you. And so you kind of really need to pay attention. And, and that was a situation where uh, Rob and I both knew that and we, and we paid attention to it. And it's, it's, you know, it's been an incredible friendship relationship, you know, business relationship. We've just had a, a ton of fun and great memories and is one of my dearest friends. Very cool. So I know, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, they've been through ups and downs. And I, and I know that your journey has included a lot of success, but a lot of failure and adversity. Yeah. I want to ask you, what have you learned through failure and adversity along your journey? Hmm. Well, I can tell you this, I've had way more failures than success, <laughs> you know, you know, and, um, Look, I think sitting here at 41 now, right? Yep. I think I started to make a lot of mistakes at 19. I think it was 17 when I started making, making most of them. <laughs> and without going through those things, those failures and those mistakes, they really, I believe, build your character. And your character ultimately is what's going to take you through the world. Um, because, the, you know, there, there's there's always going to be storms. There's always going to be failures and, and the ability to kind of, you know, come out of that battle and come out of that failure and know that like, Hey, there was success on the other side of that, or I was able to get through that. You know, I kind of, you know, an analogy that comes to my mind is like, you know, I remember when I was a young kid, I broke my arm playing basketball. It was like the first day of summer and I broke it on the basketball court, like snapped it right in half. And it yeah. was like, people had a cast on all summer. Yeah. I did not play basketball again. And even though the pain was excruciating for the first couple of days, it got better, it healed, and I ultimately played basketball again. And I think that we need to look at our failures like that. It's not the end of the world. And even though we kind of think that, you know, um, it's, it's over, you can't bounce back from something, you can't pick yourself back up, all anyone ever is going to talk about is that failure. It, it really isn't that serious. And I think we need to realize, um, you know, the fastest way to get over a failure is to just kind of move on and put it in the past and learn from it. But, you know, I rarely ever really discuss and talk about failures, which is why I think I didn't put the book out for so long. So this is really the first time really publicly sharing a lot of the mistakes and, and, and things yeah. that along the way. Very cool. Yeah. Just through that journey of, you know, success, everyone has their own definition of what that means to them. What does success mean to you? It was very different at 19 than it is now. Sure. <laughs> so success to me now is a balance of happiness, um, health, you know, obviously some financial freedom to be able to make decisions on your own and not have to make money, make a decision for you. I think that's always been, um, my motivation Yep. and, you know, it's about family and, and, and really for me, it's about em embracing and diving into different cultures and seeing the world and, you know, living life kind of on your own terms, I think is, is probably my definition of success now you know, obviously being surrounded around my sons and family and close friends. Love that. What was success to you at 19? 
oh, you know, <laughs> watch and, uh, you know, <laughs> you, know. Nope. you know, it's funny, you know, Chris Harder, who we, who we have in common. I, I don't know if it's Chris or Dan, one of the guys that introduced us. But, yeah. Um, I've had two vision boards in my life. The first vision board came true. And I always share that the first vision board is very different from my second vision board. And in life, looking back now, I would have switched the two around. You know, the first vision board obviously had a lot of material things. You know, and material things are great to you reward yourself and feel, you know, you're enjoying certain things. But obviously, it's not the end all destiny. It's not the end all result. And um, so, yeah. Love that. What's your biggest piece of advice for young entrepreneurs starting their journey today based on what you've learned through your journey? First and foremost, travel. You know, travel is a huge thing. I think there's so many people who are just so close-minded and, um, and don't have the ability to see past certain things. You know, life to me, and, and you know, there, there's a part of manifestation and really – and, and really seeing something and opening your eyes to something that you're able to achieve, right? If you don't, if you have never gone on a golf course or never had golf courses by you growing up and you've never been on a golf course, you would never know. But imagine if you did, and all of a sudden you, you are this naturally talented golfer, right? Yep. So I think you need to get out and see the world and see things for yourself. I think, you know, we've been, um, misled by whether it's media or news or perception and the best way to really understand the world is to get out there and see it. And, you know, I would never change anything about my life. I, I believe, you know, I cherish everything I've been through, even some of the most difficult times. But if I was forced to change one thing, it would be traveling and seeing the world more. It, it, it can teach you so many things, not only about life and culture, but also about yourself. Yep. When did you start traveling along your, like throughout your journey? Cause like, for me, traveling has been huge in terms of like my perspective. So I'd love to hear when was that travel bug, you know, instilled into you? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, my first travel outside of America was, uh, must've been 19, maybe okay. 19, you know, nine, no, uh, a little later actually. No, because I was old enough to drink. Maybe 21, 22. Okay. So much later in life, you know, and obviously things were a little different, you know, yep. back then. Totally. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I, looking back, you know, in two or three years of a lot of traveling that I did, I gained so much knowledge and perspective on life, um, learned more about myself and the things that I want and, and and I think also learning if you travel when you're younger, I think, you know, a lot of kids probably your age struggle with like, what's my purpose? What's my calling? What am I supposed to do in life? Yep. I think traveling kind of helps you hone in on that. Totally. Very cool. What's your, you know, outlook on the situation now where it's, you know, if someone wants to say, Hey, I want to go travel, some borders are closed and everything that's happened. This is a major issue for the world. How have, you adapted to what's happening in this climate and what do you recommend to, you know, younger people that this is their first time experiencing something like this? Yeah. I mean, well, it's all our first time experience. <laughs> you know, in my lifetime, I don't ever remember being borders really shut down like this. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously it's impacted everybody, you know, around the world. 
you know, but the advice I would give is just like, you know, it'll, it'll be over. You know, we, we, we don't realize when we're going through something, it seems like it's forever, you know, and then at the end of the day, it, it wasn't as long as we thought it was. And, you know, maybe it was only three, four months, maybe it was five months, you know, at, if you look at, you know, your entire lifespan, it's, it's not a long time. It's really a short period of time. So I find that if you focus on the things that you can control and maybe focus on places you wanted to visit inside of the U S you know, you can still travel inside of the U S and, and still see things and still see different cultures and different areas that can inspire and motivate. Um, you know, for me personally, I kind of really, you know, do a lot of cooking at home and spend time with my, my family. And, and I really enjoy being at home and being creative at home when I'm in LA. So it hasn't affected me in that aspect outside of being able to go and, you know, get some wine and a nice dinner somewhere with friends and kind of socialize. Uh, but traveling has obviously been a big impact for me and getting to not getting to Italy has, has been, has been, um, it's been hard for me, but again, control what you can control. And I think so many people don't realize that. So, which is why I wrote the book. It's like, okay, can't really, you know, factory shut down in Italy. I can't really fulfill these orders. We're going to put these all on hold. In the meantime, what can I do in the next 30 days? I wrote a book. Yep. Speaking of the book, um, Kingsway, where did the title come from? You know, two things in life that I completely had no credit in giving myself. One was the wine that we did with the Madavi, uh, Rob Madavi Jr. called King of Clubs. It was not my idea to name that. It was my friend Justin. Okay. Kingsway also would be like this, you know, people would think it would be a, you know, a pull on my ego or whatever it may be. And I actually, people were just doing, naming that for like years it was going on. And I never really owned it until maybe two, three years ago. Okay. I didn't, I didn't come up with that. I can't, I can't take credit on that. Love that. Okay. When it comes to uh, legacy, you know, we talk about legacy a lot and what that means to people, but what does legacy mean to you and what do you want your legacy to be? Another great question. It's the last chapter in the book, actually. And I never really thought about legacy. Well, first of all, when you think about legacy, you start to think about your death. Because legacy really, to me, your legacy starts after death. Yep. Um, I got inspired on legacy uh, when we decided, a couple things happened. Um, we started exploring the idea of being more, um, I've always been authentic, but I've never really shared my whole journey and my story. So when we, when we tossed the idea of the book coming out and we were changing the name of the company from 333 to namesake Christopher King is when that kind of conversation started happening. Also around the same time, I watched a great documentary that every young entrepreneur should watch called Very Ralph. It's a documentary on Ralph Lauren. Okay. And so it kind of just hits you, hits you one day. And, and for some people it hit earlier for me, it hit, you know, a little later by saying, what do I want the, the rest of my life to be about? You know, and I think in order to really build on a legacy, you have to know what your purpose and your calling is. And so for me, it took, it took Rob really bringing that out of me to understand my passion, my calling and what I want to do for the rest of my life, which is what I'm currently doing. Um, that you start thinking of what this like what, what your legacy should be and and you know when i leave this earth you know hopefully when i'm 140 yeah 
you know, what will I be remembered for and what will I leave behind for future generations to either learn or be inspired by. And, you know, so I, I also share my legacy and my thoughts in the book and I, I don't want to spoil that, you know, really love that. I, I'd love to touch on just, um, you know, you talk a lot about, like I said earlier, being a gentleman and I know you have two kids, correct? Two boys. What have you tried to instill in them at an early age when it comes to being a gentleman? Because obviously it's, it's, you're teaching your kids things different than what you were taught growing up. Right. So if you were to give, maybe there's someone young out there that is still building upon their beliefs and how they view the world. What have you tried to instill in your kids that you believe is super important for someone to hear today? Yeah. Great question. Um, well, let me, let me, let me start by kind of fixing that. So even though I came from a rough upbringing and humble beginnings, my mother, even, you know, my mother, my mother always would instill manners, right? Manners was an important thing. And even in some of my cousins and grandparents, you know, it was always about um, having manners and regardless if you didn't have other things in life. And so, you know, for me, I believe manners make society and, you know, I try to teach my children from little things like chewing with your mouth closed, which has been a big thing we've been working on cruise yeah. with. And, you know, when you walk in to shake hands and look at somebody in the eye and, you know, not to take things for granted. And, um, you know, when you're in a restaurant, how to act and, you know, being polite. I think, you know, we, um, we were leaving Soho, Soho house one day when, back when it was open for, before <laughs> and, you know, teaching them to let the, you know, let the ladies off the elevator first and hold the, hold doors, you know, just being respectful. And it's not, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there that are taking that the wrong way and that, you know, you know, women are more than capable of opening their door and all that. And of course they are. And it's not, you know, when you do something kind for somebody, it doesn't imply that someone can't do something for themselves. It's just, it's just a nice gesture. And I think that nice gestures go a long way and, and, you know, goes back again, you know, the manners make societies is, is a big thing for me. Yep. Love that. Um, I'd love to touch on just when it comes to luxury goods as a whole and the craftsmanship that goes into that. I know that you've done some very cool projects with Aston Martin and, you know, a lot of cool things throughout your career. I'd love to hear just some of the biggest takeaways from being in that business because it's something where if you look at all these different legacy brands like Louis Vuitton, it's like to really make a mark in that world, it's difficult because there's a lot of craftsmanship that's involved and you've taken that to an extreme and I'd love to just follow your journey on how you've built this brand. So I'd love to hear just your thoughts on what it means to be in that industry and how have you been able to just build such a solid brand? Mm. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I was a big consumer at first. So I think, you know, anybody can kind of create something and think they know what they're doing and, and get out there. And, and, you know, I spent a lot of time really understanding materials and understanding things. And so whenever I kind of do anything, you know, I'm kind of all in. So even when I started dressing and getting different suits, you know, I'm asking the questions like, what material is this? Why is this material softer than this material? why is this material pilling up and, and others aren't? And, yeah. you know, so it started off just by being an overly detailed individual personally. Um, and then, you know, 
to me, when you look at luxury and you look at, you know, you mentioned craftsmanship, right? And these artisans who put things together and, and usually most of them, especially in Europe are, are generation, you know, generation have kind of done the same thing, you know, over and over again. And I believe that well-crafted things and luxury items are, are items that can be repaired, right? If somebody has an issue with one of my products or they damage it by mistake, you know, we can take that back and have it fixed. And I think that's the real difference between a luxury brand and something that is made with the highest quality materials and, you know, that handcrafted um, approach versus a lot of other people that are creating things and want to call them luxury and slap an expensive price tag on them. And, and you know, and, and it doesn't matter where in the world it's made. It's just, you know, quality is quality and, and, you, and you really can't, you know, I always tell the story of like Louis the 13, right? That it, you know, it's a hundred year old cognac. You cannot manipulate the time to make that, you know, and it wouldn't be the price point. It wouldn't taste the same and it wouldn't be the prestigious Louis the 13th. If we could manufacture it in 10 years yep. or you had someone who crafted up a way to make it almost taste the same who did it in, in three months. Like the point is, is that it's that the person who's making that cognac right now, We'll never get a chance to try it. He'll, he'll have passed away before the next generation takes over to finish that. And I think that's a great analogy of what luxury means to me and that, you know, it is a process of time that cannot be manipulated. You know, yep. if, if somebody wants to offer me a million dollars for a backpack, custom made backpack and have it done in two days, three days, it's impossible. I can't, I could never fulfill that, you know, because the, the hand, you know, the hand craftsmanship and the quality or the attention to detail that goes into these items and the way that they're processed and made any company yep. that's in that space, it's just, it just can't be done. And I think that's the beauty of it. Right. You know, and isn't that the beauty of a hand built, you know, Aston Martin or a hand built Rolls Royce or a hand built Pagani, right? Those are the, the, the things that we love about that quality and craftsmanship that goes into luxury items. And I think we need to, you know, put the focus back on that not really just because it has a high price tag or it's a limited drop. Those aren't really the, the, the important things that I think make, um, you know, a product luxury. Yep. I love that. Just two more questions before we wrap up. One of them being, I know earlier we spoke a lot on mentorship and having those key role models in your life. I'd love to hear from you just who were some of your mentors along your journey that helped you along the way to shape your character? I get asked that a lot and I'll tell you, I never really had the typical mentor, like this man or woman that I met with weekly that I took, yeah. like I, I never really had that, which I think most people uh, associate that with today. But what I've had are just, men and women older younger along the way that i've that i've just taken nuggets from and learned things from them and you know whether it was a, a short friendship that didn't last because of moving or you know it's you know my mentorships are just very very different than most people would kind of think that they would be um you know, Rob is a mentor of mine, right? But we don't have these like sit down conversations. You know, it could just be, you know, shooting the shit, having a cigar at the house, drinking some wine and like we yeah. get into, 
deep conversation about something, you know, and I think that's, that's been the best teacher for me. And I think that, that a lot of young kids, I think, throw that, that term around loosely. You know, I need this mentor and I need to meet with you once a week and take notes, man. You can be, I'm mentored by the manager at a hotel as yeah. a mentor. You know, I'm, I'm, I've been mentored by, you know, one of my favorite guys over at the Peninsula Hotel, the head, the head valet guy. He's mentored me about Italy. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> you're going to get pieces from people in, from all walks of life, from all genres, from all, you know, all over the world. You're going to gain these little mentorship kind of nuggets from. And so I think that's been my life journey. Yep. Maybe it not, might not work for other people, but it's worked for me. And um, and I give some of those credits to, to people throughout the book. You know, there's, there's a, there's one of my favorite chapters I wrote actually was the only chapter I think I wrote literally in one sitting. I didn't even get up and I drank a bottle of wine called uh, my Italian love story. And I share about a gentleman named Georgie in there. Who's like been a big mentor to me. But again, it was, you know, pieces of information that you pick up hanging out and, and being around them. And I think um, it's less, um, structured as well which i think worked really well for me yep i answered that correctly yeah absolutely last question just when it comes to the book itself you know we have a lot of young listeners what is one thing that we didn't touch on that you'd want someone to know about the book today before they go ahead and buy it because i want to make sure that people take the time to not only listen to this conversation like they have but to go purchase the book that you've taken time to write over the years throughout your journey so what's one thing you'd want to leave someone with to really just you know give them one last sneak peek into what should they expect inside of your book um, that's a good, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a good question. You know, throughout my life, I've reinvented myself and I've done whatever I wanted to do at the time, even though people might've thought it was crazy. You know, even when I decided to, I'm going to be a designer and I'm going to create things, you know, and, and, and in life, you know, you don't ever have to be one thing or do something the conventional route. And so my my story in my book shares this unconventional, probably even unorthodox approach to my, to my upbringing and, and to my living and to my doing business and doing ways. And it might not be the best way or the right way, but it was my way and it was my journey. And, and so I feel that there are a lot of people who struggle on finding themselves or a lot of people who have failed at something and don't know what to do. Or they, you know, I think especially in today's time frame, you have people who were in a career their whole life. And now it's been, you know, it's, it's been taken away. And so the book is really about these stories of showing, you know, coming from nothing and, and having constant failures and mistakes and setbacks that just never, never, uh, you know, allowed me, I, I never allowed myself to kind of stop and dictate what I did or what I went through. So I think it's a great lesson for the, especially the younger generation, which I was excited, you know, to do this with you. Yep. Um, because I think it's going to teach them that it's okay to fail, that it's okay to have embarrassing moments, that nothing's going to last forever, you know, and that at the end of the day, it never really matters. And, you know, you could be wrong 10 times, but be right once. And that one, that one time will erase all the wrongs. And, and anybody who's pointing out the wrongs isn't someone that's really forward thinking or doing anything special with them life. So you, it really doesn't matter. And it's a great, you know, I, I always say anybody that really wants to chat about 
you know, the past is someone that you automatically know you don't want to be friends with that person or being yeah. that quicker with people. You know, it's like, you know, someone can, you know, talk about Casey when he's, you know, 50 years old, he's been this great entrepreneur. Yeah. But remember when he was 17 and in school, he tripped that T, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, it's a great lesson on not getting caught up in the past and realizing that you could fumble and, and, and mess up, you know, a hundred times and that mindset to keep going and, and hopefully people will gain some inspiration from it. Uh, it's the first time that I share a lot of stories I've never shared publicly with anybody. I mean, a lot of stories I've never even sh shared with friends and um, it just goes to show that a, uh, you know, a kid that, that left school and dropped out in the 10th grade with no education and, and, you know, no generational family wealth and, and no understanding of, of anything um, that I kind of self-taught and self-learned and, you know, uh, worked through adversities and failures. And I, I think that the feedback I've been getting is just that it's inspiring and getting people to want to go accomplish something now and not wait, you know. Love it. Well, that being said, Christopher, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time today. And last but not least, where's the best place for people to go to get this book? Uh, right now it's on Amazon. You know, if you go to my Instagram, Mr. King, it's the links in the bio. Um, Amazon's the best right now. I, it's uh, available on paperback and Kindle. I will be having a limited edition um, hardcover coming out uh, in June. And it will hit other platforms. I'm doing an audible. So it'll, it'll kind of trickle out. But right now, the best place is Amazon. And I think we like to your house in two or three days. Perfect. And last but not least, where is the best place for people to stay up to date with everything you have going on, to stay up to date with the book updates? Yeah. I mean, Instagram is probably the main platform. It's where we all kind of are so used to being. And, you know, and, and so that's probably the best, best place to catch me and all my other links and yep. Yeah, I'll make sure to link it all down below. Well, that being said, Christopher, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time today and everyone listening. Make sure you take a moment to go order King's Way. And that being said. Before we go, I have a question for you. <laughs> of course, I'm here. Because you read, you read some of the book. Yep. What was the biggest takeaway for you? I would say right off the bat, I mean, just even just from knowing you and having conversations with you. And I think a part of you, not only a part of you, but all of you is in the book when it comes to what we spoke about today of being a gentleman and how you've instilled that into your life from not only an early age, but how you've utilized that throughout your career. And I think that definitely was shown inside of the book based on what I've read so far. And I think the biggest takeaway was just, instilling that into my life now and why wait, right? Because every time I, you know, follow you on Instagram and I see your stories and I see what you're cooking, just how you put so much attention to detail into everything you do. I think that's one of my biggest takeaways. And I just think also from this conversation and how you think about the world and how you think about life that, that shows tenfold. And I believe that's for sure. The biggest takeaway, biggest takeaway is just attention to detail. Appreciate that. Of course. <laughs> well cool thanks so much for coming on it definitely means the world nah, it was good it was good to finally do this man and, um, and I'm sure I'll see you around at one of these events or something once we kind of get uh, get out of this quarantine yep. safe and uh, and I'll talk to you soon buddy.